Good morning and greetings to each one here this morning. Glad to see each one here. It's not uh, not very often that I that I sit in a church service where someone has the same name as I do. And uh, Vern, as we were back in prayer this morning, he's like, uh, "See, you're on for devotions as well." <laughs> So I, I, I told them, I said, maybe we got switched around here. Maybe you're supposed to be here now. <laughs> thank, <clears throat> thank you, LeVon, for that devotion, although it, it goes well with what we have here for this morning as well. As we continue to look at the book of Ruth, I'd like for us to simply just look at the latter part of chapter 4. And the, the title of the message is Her Neighbor. <clears throat> Her neighbor, I'd like to just read verses 16 through 22 as we think about the church this morning, as we think about God's people and how that we are to work together. Beginning to read in Ruth chapter 4, verse 16, And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born of Nate. Of Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Pharez. Pharez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Abinadab, and Abinadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Solomon, and Solomon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. I don't know how comfortable you as ladies would be if you had a child and the church ladies gave him or her her name. I'm not sure I would be quite okay with that. Knowing that I don't know what they'll come up with. And I don't know, did Naomi have any input into this or not? But the thing that that stands out to me is that the trust that she had in her community. And the people, I believe, these were the people that she worshipped with. These were her neighbors, the people that she related with, the people that she was open and willing to share her heart with. And I believe we see here as well, through this, Boaz and Ruth had high regards for these people as well, to allow them to give Obed his name. I don't know what you think about when you think of community. I don't know what you think about when you think of church. We, We could probably go around this morning and we have a lot of different ideas. We see here as well the community that Ruth and Boaz were in also, I believe, were at their wedding. They were witnesses at their wedding there before the elders. Also in Ruth 4, 14 through 15, the women gave a blessing that the Lord has now provided a redeemer a near kinsman. 
And so this morning, I'd like for us to think about her neighbor as the community or as the church. And as we think of community, I just simply like to put it this way, that we, we have common unity. We have something in common, and that is Jesus Christ. We can look at in Ephesians 4.13, and we'll do that a little bit later. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Matthew 16, verse 18, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we have a wonderful opportunity this morning to be a part of a church, to be a part of a community that we have some common unity. Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one, the one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. This is what Jesus is wanting to do today in each one of our lives. He's wanting to do that in our community, in our church. But it starts in our hearts, first of all. Some time ago, I was, I was made aware of a situation. And some of you could probably relate to this that are just newly married. There was a young man, and this was in another state, that was beginning to date a girl from another church in, in, his, in the general community that he lived. Now this girl came from a little bit more of a liberal church, and as good men do, he was very honest with this young lady. And he said that he, he wanted her to know that if this relationship was going to continue, if it was going to flourish, that he made one thing clear, and that was that he was not going to leave his church. And I said, wow. He was not going to leave his church. And some, some may think, well, that's pretty selfish. But the thing that stood out to me was what made this young man so determined to stick with his community, to stick with his church. I don't know what all the, the, uh, the reasons were. I never asked him. But have, having lived in a community that that came from, I could identify a little bit with some simple things. And simple things as... I know that church does a lot of things together. It's a church that there's, there's not a lot of family in one church. And I'm not saying that's all bad either. Please understand me. <laughs> but the, the, the people that attend that church, they do a lot of things together because they don't have a lot of family around. And so they connect well with each other and they, they do stuff together. And I believe 
that is one of the key elements. As we think about our youth, as we think about we as God's people relating to each other, is we must know each other if we're going to connect. Recently, I, I heard as well, it was at a uh, church camping, and it was not our church. We just happened to be in the area. And they, the, the one comment was made there that, and it was, it, was about, it was about one of the ministers, so if you ministers want to be known, here's one way, of how that, that it was a church camping, and it was from like a Friday, Friday afternoon to a Sunday. And the one, the one brother said, I got to know more about you in these three days than I, di- than I did in going with you to church for a year. And I was like, wow. Why? Because they related together on an outside-of-church way. They loved it, and they were going to do it some more. But I thought it was really interesting as we think about the church and how that we are to relate to each other And I believe we see that in Ruth and Boaz's life as well. This was a big thing for them. The community in which they lived, their people, and they loved them well. You know, we often often want to, as, as human beings, we want to point out faults. We want to point out problems. We talk about decisions maybe that we don't agree with. People frustrate us, and the list goes on. But I believe until those that make up the church really love the church, until then, I believe we will not love the church as Jesus loved the church, his bride. We cannot function the way God has intended to us when we are constantly nitpicking and picking us apart and just destroying each other. I believe our outlook for the church is so much affected on what we love, and that is, came through in the devotions this morning. How that we are to love God, first of all. I believe when we truly start to love the church, it changes the way we interact as a church. It's not about competition anymore. It's not about just my way. It changes the way we participate. It changes our motive. It changes our priorities. When the church doors are open, we want to be there. We love to be with the people of God. I also realize, for my own self, I see that too many times I, I, I operate out of a selfish motive. And I believe this, again, is, is just a, a sign of being self-obsessed and not God-obsessed and truly loving the people of God. We've seen in 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 27, how that the church is truly, how it's to function and to operate. I don't know what you think about when you think of the body. And I and Robbie and Linda probably have a, a new aspect on this as, as they look at sitting in the hospital. The body, 
We are to work the same way together as the body does. And sometimes I believe we just we get really distracted in this as we think about how the body works together. There's blood that is pumping through our body. There's organs that are working together. There's cells. There's systems of organs that work together to get things done so that we can live and move and be healthy. It's the working together of these organs that keep us alive. The very air that we breathe is a gift of God. God wants us to build together the body of Christ. It's not about my church. It's not about Vern's church. It's about the church of Jesus Christ that we are to build. All of us that are born again as as God's people have the Spirit of God in us. We are the temple of God. And this means we have gifts that God has given to us. And we need to practice these gifts. We need to use these gifts in a mighty way. And that means for God's purpose and for his kingdom. As we operate as a church, we need to fulfill these gifts in a mighty way. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. I'd like for us to think about six things out of the book of Ephesians 4 as some practical ways we as God's people are to work together. 1 Corinthians there 12 talks about how that all the members are to work together as one body. Here we see in Ephesians 4, again, we see how that there is one body and how that we are to work together in unity, common unity. And I believe unity, as we look at it, may not, is not necessarily saying that we all do the same things the same way. As we look at creation, we see the diversity. Each one of you, God has created specially. He has created you in a different way, down to the very fingerprints that are on your hands. And so as we look at unity this morning, as we look at perfecting the saints, I want us to realize that the common unity is built around Jesus Christ and how that together as we work and move that God can be glorified. I'd like to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 as we think about working together. Notice he begins in verse 12 there. For the perfecting of the saints, sorry, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine 
by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We could get into a lot of the gifts this morning, and we won't. But we see here that there are gifts in the church. And I just want to encourage you, as a church, encourage each other to embrace those gifts. They're not going to all be the same. They're not going to all come out the same. And that is good. But God wants you to use those gifts for his glory and The purpose of the gifts, I believe, he gives here as well. Six things that we want to look at is the perfecting of the saints for works of service, edifying the body, unity of faith, knowledge of the Son of God, and also come to fullness of God and speaking the truth in love. First of all, we see here the purpose is to perfect perfecting of the saints. God is, is fully equips each one of us with what we need to practice our gift. God fully equips us as we walk with him to fulfill what he has given to us as a gift. God has given to all of us All things that pertain to life and to godliness. Sometimes we question. Sometimes we wonder, what am I supposed to do in this situation? God gives us the answers through his word. God gives his answers through his people, his community as well. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we are wondering, how do I navigate this? And as Vern requested, and I encourage you as brethren to to follow up on that and to ask him how it went and give him insight on what he should be saying to those men as they come. Perfecting of the saints, God has fully equipped us. Second Peter 1.3, According as his divine power hath given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given us all things. And I love how verse 4 goes there. He's exceeding great and precious promises. And these are our promises that we need to claim in each one of our lives. And each one of our decisions that we make from day to day. Then as we do that, notice we are partakers. We are partakers of whose nature? Jesus Christ, the divine nature. 
And I believe as, as the world looks into our communities, into our churches, there's times where things don't make sense to them. And I believe this is one of the reasons why is the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives, as we communicate together, sometimes it's beyond words. Sometimes it's just, again, a simple hug, an embrace, and saying, I love you, I'm praying for you. But God is wanting us to use these gifts so that we can be partakers of his divine nature. And as we do this, then, we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. I believe we see here, as we look at the divine nature in our lives, is power beyond what we can ever imagine. Power, energy, and strength to do his work. And as, like I said, the Holy Spirit must be a part of our lives to fulfill this, to fulfill God's work. I believe this is where there are times people burn out in ministry because we try to do it our own strength, our own energy. We must simply give it to God and let God carry that load. We are only vessels of clay. And so we need to know. We need to know when to say no, when to say yes. And again, I, I just want to encourage you as a church, speak into your ministers' lives as they go from time to time. Encourage them, strengthen them. If it's too much, tell them that too, that they hear your voice as a church and as they go out, that they can know that you are praying for them. As we think about the all things that God gives to us, I want to encourage you as a church as well to encourage ongoing teaching. I know when I was ordained, there was, there was a time where, and I still long to, to go to some of these newly ordained things. Because I, I, I still need to learn a lot. And I'm saying, as you ordain men, send them out. Send them to these places like faith builders. And different places where they can gain teaching. They can gain useful tools to work in the church. In the community. And be used of God in a mighty way. In our church, we've, we've talked about some of that. And we're committed to taking church funds and saying, you go here. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. That support that we feel as a community, as a church, and as a body of Christ. Secondly, is edifying the body, building each other up in love. We build each other up in a church through corporate worship. As we meet together here today, we are building each other up. As you meet from Sunday to Sunday, as you meet for club, as you meet for youth, as you meet for that picnic, as the school meets together, I believe these are all ways that we are edifying each other and are building each other up. In 2015, Simon Schrock had a book at the minister's meeting. I don't know if you as ministers remember that book. 
about how that our strength can become our weakness. And it's interesting as you as I looked at that book, how that it makes so much sense. But I never thought about it that your very gift can be a weakness as well. And he goes on to say in that book how that many times we misuse our gift in the sense that we push our point beyond the part that it's about me, it's not about my brotherhood anymore. And that is the part where we misuse our gift. And, and Simon warns us, he's saying, be careful with that. And I believe as we look at God's word, just like that appendix was out of place in Linda's life, it caused havoc, it caused a problem. As long as it stayed in its place, as long as it did its job, it was fine. But as soon as that thing was aggravated, it was no good. And I'm saying this morning, I believe there's many times that we, we misuse our gift. And we must always use our gift, again, to edify the church and to glorify God. When it becomes a useful tool to push my point and to misuse and to cause strife in the church, then it's a weakness. And I think of uh, the simple thing of prophecy. I know of some of those people. And I, as, I, as I relate to them, it's, always in a, it's pretty much black or white. There's no in-between. And we say that's right. But at the same time, I believe that there is some of the things in the church that it's not just one way to do it. And so we need to work together. As we relate to each other, we are to not be scared of each other. Do we hurt each other? Yes, we do. And I figure you do here as well at times. It happens because we're human. But as Levon was saying earlier today, that that perfect fear of God in our lives will continue and we will push through and we will continue to talk about that with our brother or our sister. It's when we withdraw is when bad things happen. A.W. Tozer says, this, says it this way, there are areas in our, in our lives where our, in our effort to be right, we may, be wrong, we may go wrong. In our determination to be bold, we become brazen. In our desire to be frank, we become rude. In an effort to be watchful, we become suspicious. When we seek to be serious, we become somber. And when we mean to be conscientious, we become overscrupulous. May your gift this morning bring glory to God. And if it's not, Ask your brother, your sister around you, in your community, how can I perfect my gift? We need to be real with each other, and we need to be aware that my strength may be or can be a weakness. Simon, in that book as well, he reminds us of the, the mule team out of Death Valley that pulls that borax from the bottom to the top. And it's hot, and it's miserable. 
But as that mule team works together, good things can happen. And he mentions in there how that team stands for together, everyone achieves more. Together, everyone achieves more. Thirdly, unity of faith. And this is where I believe we come into common unity. I believe Paul is trying to tell us, whether Jew or Gentile, whether stranger or foreigner, that we can be in that common unity. And it's only as we are converted through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are unified through the faith of Jesus Christ in our lives. Romans 12.5, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. We're a part of each other. We must work together. And I believe we see this through Ruth's life. She was very strong in her relationship with Naomi and with her people. Again, she functioned and she, that was very important to her. As her and Boaz lived life after our, our passage here, we don't know exactly what all happened. But I believe it was very important to them even then. I believe as a church, community, we have one purpose, and that is to bring others to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Then as the church, as we function together, we nurture, we stimulate spiritual growth, and together I believe that brings glory to God. As you think about the common unity, uh, I'd just like to tell another story of how that uh, a brother shared with me sometime after they had moved away from the community. And he was always one of these men that was, was, uh, it was a prophet. And it was, um, sometimes you didn't know what was going to come out at, at a devotional or that kind of thing. And it wasn't later until he had moved away and he looked back at his experience at our church and he realized that he was living on the fringes of the church. And it was interesting as I looked at that and I talked to him about that and I asked him, you know, so, so what made that? And his, his, his thought was this, that it was the way he grew up. Now, I want to be careful when I say this and say that it was just an excuse. But I was, I was glad for him that he was able to, to see this and to, to move on. But it was a simple thing of, at a previous church that he was at as he was growing up, it was a simple thing of he was not allowed to help in the church course because of some things going on. And so as he was growing up, he was always on the outside, sort of on the fringes of church. And that's the way he sort of learned to, to do church. As he grows up, he gets married, he has a family. He continues to live that way until God showed him this. And then he was able to come into that unity and to embrace the brotherhood where he was at. And it wasn't now that he was out on the fringes, but that he was in the church, he supported the church, and he was all for it. And I say that because, again, I believe we as God's people, we need to work together. We need to call each other out of those places and ask each other those hard questions to unify us 
and to bring us together. Fourthly, we must move on here. Knowledge of the Son of God. It's not enough to know who God is, but acknowledge Jesus Christ in your life, and don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. There's a lot of people that know about God. They know who Jesus is. But they just pretty much, he's just another good person. No, that's not the case. As we have knowledge, I believe that knowledge needs to meet our hearts and it needs to make a difference in our lives. We continue to grow. We continue to read God's word. We continue to have meetings like this where we can grow and learn of who God is. Fifthly, come to fullness of God. Know Jesus better. Come to the fullness, and I like to think of that fullness this morning as that being complete in Christ. Know Jesus better. As we manifest our spiritual gift in our lives, as we experience that completeness, as we exercise that spiritual gift, not for our glory, not for who we are, but for God's glory and for the edification of the church. God is calling us to be complete, to be fulfilled in the work of the church. Why? Because we love Jesus. We are, we, we are maturing in our Christian walk, I believe, is what he is calling us to here, as we know Jesus better. And I just want to bless you as a church, as you do club together. We're involved with some of that at home as well. And I, I know the, how it feels when it brings that that fulfillment and that peace into your heart and that together we can make a difference. Not that it's about us, not, but it's all about Jesus Christ. And we, we have many questions and not so many answers on how to relate to some of these people at times, but I believe it's a simple thing of loving them and showing them most of all Jesus' love because that's really what they want. The fullness, being complete in Christ. Sixthly then, speaking the truth in love. And we heard about that in our devotional. Expressing the love of God both in our speech and in the way we live. And we could have a message just on that. Like they say, oftentimes our children, is more, it's more caught than taught. And I believe the world around us is seeing that as well in our lives. We can say a lot of good things and we can be oh so strong on things. But if it's not the way we live, then we might as well not even say it. Speak the truth in love. As we work together as a community, as we work together as a church, the world is watching. And the world is looking in and is wondering, do I want to be a part of that or not? And I trust that even through our imperfection, through our failures, that most of all that God is working to glorify himself. And I'd like to just close with the, the, the passage of Scripture 
as we think about Isaiah 57, verse 15, as I read earlier, For thus saith the high and lofty one, one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. We need to have a broken and a humble spirit. If we have a proud and arrogant spirit, that is picked up as well very easily. Live lives that blend together as a community. It's not about my own agenda. It's not just, I'm going to fix you. But more that we can work together, that we can better each other for God's glory. That we can be more effective, I believe, as we work together. We can be more effective in our community as we live our lives for Jesus and how he taught us to live. I believe when we go with a humble and a yielded spirit, good community happens and we connect well. So this morning, continue to communicate, continue to have that common unity as God has called us to. Why? For his glory most of all, and then for the perfecting of the saints. Let's pray together. Father God, today, we thank you for being here with us. We thank you, God, that you have given us all things that we need for life and for godliness. You have given us all the instructions to know how to walk with you each day of our lives. And as we live in a community, in a church that wants to glorify you, God, help us to work together, that our gifts, most of all, praise you, glorify you, and that we can speak life into each other. Guide us from here, God. We just thank you again for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.